There's been a lot of talk about four-day tests. Mm. What's your view on that? Um, I'm very much a traditionalist. I like the game the way it is. Uh, so to me, five days is very special, and I, I'd hate it to, to see it get any shorter. You know, the introduction of pink tests, day-night tests, I think is, uh, is a great way to move, you know, continue keeping our game fresh and moving forward. So in respect to changing how many days it's played, actually against it, I like it how it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. That was the great Glenn McGrath slamming the idea of four-day tests. And later on in the podcast, we're going to delve into that issue. But joining me on today's show, I have, of course, Paul, the summer game. Dennett, Paul, how are you? Yeah, good manners. Uh, a little bit bereft at this time of year. I always feel sad that the test summer is over. They go so fast these days. They, they pack them in, you look forward to it, and suddenly that's it. Um, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the Bangladesh tour, which is a while away yet, but I, I want more test cricket. Oh, you love your test cricket. And, and we have a special guest joining us today. He's returning to the show after a three or four year absence. <laughs> joining us is Gus Warland, the host of the Cricket Tragic Show on Fox Cricket. He also does great work for the Gotcha for Life Foundation. But Paul Dennett was asked by me, who are your dream guests to get on this summer? And he didn't say Alan Border. He didn't say Ricky Ponting. He said Gus Wallen. So, wow. Gus, welcome to the show. Your, your man crush is here, Paul Dennett. Thanks, Paul. G'day, mate. How are you, Andrew? Good great, to see you, brother. Great to have you back on the show. Gus, how's your summer been with the cricket tragic? Yeah, it's been great. Still got two episodes to go. Was at the SCG actually yesterday um, on the test pitch doing the opener and just thinking exactly the same thing as you, Paul. Like, how quickly has the summer gone? And it has been a disappointment to a certain degree as well. Pakistan just didn't step up and I was so excited about New Zealand. And right from the start, the fact that some of the players didn't turn up until a couple of days before their preparation was poor and they just didn't step up to the plate at all. I think Wagner was probably the only bloke that you would feed. Other than that, they were ordinary. So that's been a shame. But, um, yeah... The summer is still alive. There's still plenty of cricket to look forward to as well. But the tragic's been great. The thing about the tragic for me is I get to sit down like you guys at times with people that you just adore, you know, and you have adored them. They've been on posters in your room all your life. And, you know, Alan Border, Greg Chappell, um, Michael Bevan last year, um, Mike Hussey this year in the Australian dressing room, just sitting and chatting and chewing the fat. There's nothing much better than that. I don't know about you, Gus, but I'm always all right sitting down with the current cricketers. I don't get as intimidated or, or starstruck. But when I sit down with a cricketer that I idolised as a kid, that's oh. when all that sort of um, stupid fandom comes out again. I have to make sure I'm really well prepared. <laughs> like I had Sir Richard Hadley, which is someone that I've just... I didn't adore him as such because he was such a good player, but I respected him mm. so much. He's a knight. And there we are in Melbourne waiting in the hotel room, waiting for him to arrive. And the door knock and we all looked at each other as a crew and said... Don't stuff this up, boys. We've got half an hour with this bloke. Get it right. And it was a matter of trying to negotiate that sort of first couple of minutes where you get to know them, but also you've, you're on the clock yeah. and you need to get down to business. But he was absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, I do very much get starstruck as well with the older blokes. Yeah, do you have any tips for interviewing those big stars? Do you have a, a sort of tactic? I tend not to have too many questions. I tend to have the first question and then I tend to listen. And normally if they start talking about something, I keep them going along that line. I was taught that by Michael Parkinson, of all people. Wow, he came good... into Triple M five years ago and he's unlikely to come to Triple M, but we had him for some reason. I think he was on a book tour or something. And I asked him at the end, I said, could you just give me one tip? And he goes, don't prepare too much and listen mm. to your guest's answer. 
because they will talk about things that they're happy to talk about. So keep them going along that line. Yeah, I, I agree with some of that. I do think, though, when you go in... <laughs> Excuse me, you can't... Michael Parkinson said you, it. I, I'm just going to say... I, I think if so. only you'd been around earlier, Michael Parkinson might have had a decent career. You could have been... <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think sometimes, though, when you go in into an interview, there's some things you don't want to miss out on? Like, there's, there's a couple of things you know you've got to touch on. Oh, look, for sure. And you've got to have that in the back of your mind. Like, well, with Greg Chappell, for instance, you know, we went an hour before I mentioned the underarm. And okay. straight after the underarm, I went straight into the seven ducks in a row. And he's looking at me going, it was going so well, Gus. You know, I was really enjoying myself. And I said, well, of course we have to go there. And then once he starts chatting about it, I think his answer on... We had to cut it down to nine minutes, the whole interview, but the answer on the under, underarm went for just over 23 minutes. Wow. So he's really got himself a thought process around that now and why he made that decision. Um, he's an incredibly intelligent man. It's taken him 30 years to sort of, you know, work out really why he did what well, he did. We should get the Cricket Tragic Director's Cut with the full interview. Yeah. Well, I actually said that to Jake Avon and Kate, who are the two producers the other day. I said, we have an hour and a half interview with Alan Border, another hour and a half with Greg Chappell. We had, in the end, nearly 30 minutes with Sir Richard Hadley, for instance. They cut down, cut down to eight or nine. Why don't we just have the unfiltered, even it's just the audio. Cricket Tragics, people like us and people listening would to lap the podcast, it up. They would love love all that, you know, un, uncut. Talk if to you KO. Like. Talk to KO. If there yeah. was, you we'll know, call Maddie. You know, on a, on a rounded time when there's no cricket on, cricket, you know, Fox Cricket's going to show an old W, an old BBL game. I'd listen to a ninety minutes. I'd listen to five hours of Greg Chappell. So but, would I. Yeah. So would I. All right, now let's get into all the cricket news. In this podcast, we're going to wrap up the SCG test. We're going to go through the cricket headlines, and then to finish off. We've got a little quiz. Paul's going to run a, a test oh. to see who is actually the real cricket tragic between me and Guts. Oh. So You've been going to... for, you have been angling for my jobs from the time that we met. Yeah, You came in the Triple M, you, ne- you nearly set up in my office and said, this will do me nicely, thank yeah. you very much. And then every time you have an opportunity to have a crack, you do. Yeah, I think I've got more chance of taking the cricket tragic role than the Triple M breakfast role. Uh, like I would have gone silent when any other sport got mentioned in the morning. <laughs> when, where's Manners again? We're talking about rugby league and I'd be out getting coffee or something. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the SCG test wrap. Australia beat the Kiwis by 279 runs. They sweep the series. They sweep the summer. And I have to say, the test didn't start well for the Kiwis with their captain ruled out with the type A influenza they had five changes from the team at Boxing Day and, and actually as someone that rarely feels sorry for our opponents, even I felt sorry for the, <laughs> the Kiwis going into the SCG test and I felt it did suck a bit of the oxygen out of it. We had the horrible fires going on and then half the Kiwi team wasn't there. So I think uh, it didn't start well, that's for sure. No, it didn't. And Kane Williamson, you want to see the best players in the world and he is right up there with Steve Smith and, and Coley and, and Marnus now, I suppose you could say, in the top top echelon of batters. So, yeah, that was... And really strange decision to leave Southie out. Mm. I mean, if you looked at his stats over the first couple of test matches, he was he was quality. So I just didn't understand that at all. And But, yeah, this, this their overall quality is not quite there and on these pitches. And as I said earlier in the opener, the preparation was poor. So it was sad to hear that because the test series was done. So I wanted to see Williamson, you know, occupy the crease for four or five hours and get a big hundred. We haven't seen he that yet. He was due, wasn't he, as sure well? Sure was. So that was a shame. But as Kerry O'Keefe said, the world's nicest bunch of sporting blokes, <laughs> but just not up to it when it came to, um, you know, playing against our pace attack in particular. How good is it now? Like, 
I really feel that we're on a verge of something very, very special. I agree. Uh, we're a couple of players like your Wade and your um, uh, Burns. Joe Burns. They're just on the cusp at the moment, aren't they? Not quite right. Wade's probably got runs from the Ashes. It gives him credit, but Burns... If we get those positions right or those folks really, you know, take their opportunities, our team is red hot at the moment with Cummins and Stark. And, well, you've got, you've got to remember Hazelwood to come back yes. as well. And Pattinson hasn't put a foot wrong. So, yeah, it's exciting times for Australian cricket. Absolutely. And I think that, to be fair to New Zealand, as you mentioned, um, Gus, the preparation was terrible. Uh, you can't go and play in Hamilton, flat pitch, no crowd, uh, cold weather. You move five time zones across, pink ball, 40 degrees in the shade, bounciest pitch in the world, possibly <laughs> the best fast bowling attack Australia's ever had. Pink ball, no preparation, and you lose all the tosses and then half the team gets injured and half the team gets sick. I mean, they, 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 must, they might have out, outperformed, actually, based on all that. Like They, they, they probably should have got beaten by more. Um, but the, the, the fans were fantastic, and I think that this is something that we should move on for. Like, uh, it's always been England and India are the two great summers, and then there's a bit of a... Um, to lower kind summers. Of South Africa sort of... Yeah, next. and the West Indies in their day. But bring bring the New Zealanders out here every four years, make it five test matches, and most teams get thrashed here. England have been thrashed here every, every series since God knows when, except for 2010-11. So uh, that was the highlight of the summer for me, that, that we've got a real rivalry that could bubble away here. The pitch at the SCG I thought was the best we've seen in a few years. Paul and I have been hammering the SCG pitch Especially the last couple of years, they were very slow. There wasn't much in it. But mm. I thought it, we saw a better pitch. There was a little bit of bounce, but the, the turned. And I think the SCG curator actually did a pretty good job. Yeah, I agree with him. Um, as I was saying to you guys, I think off here at the start, I did the Cricket Tragic Opener yesterday for episode six or seven. And I was on the pitch and I was looking at it and it looked really like a proper cricket pitch and that's what it did you know it gave everyone an opportunity then the spinners came into it and that's why Nathan Lyon is such a wonderful spin bowler but I was actually doing the chat as I was walking towards the Barongal stand and the camera was up high and we sort of had me you know with the big wide shot and so forth I did it three times because I kept mucking up the (laughs) introduction and the the curator obviously saw this, so he, st- he sticks on the sprinklers. <laughs> so, so change his shirt, you know, hands through the hair, and away we go again. He was really happy with it as well, because you're right, there's so much chat about the drop-in pitches, and I'm so glad we haven't gone there, and fingers crossed it won't. At the end of the day, it's a cricket ground, but it's a multi-purpose ground, so it does make it a bit more difficult. My beloved Sydney Roosters play there, and will do for the next couple of years. The Swannies obviously are there. Um, the A-League play there as well with Sydney FC, so... I think they did an amazing job and it was such a good vibe out there, wasn't it? You know, a really good vibe. I love the pink test. I love the the Jane McGrath day and, you know, congratulations to everyone who got involved in it. Yeah, I thought the atmosphere was a little bit down on previous years. Really? I I do feel the the bushfires did impact the the sort of national focus is usually Mm. on the Sydney test. A lot of country folk normally come. And and a lot of country folk couldn't come down and... So there was that kind of bubbling away in the background. Uh, okay. I always love it, though. It's always my favourite test of the year. Uh, the curious case of Steve Smith this summer, your old mate, Gussie. <laughs> we saw him bat very slowly in the test match. And throughout the summer, his strike rate has been very low. And, Paul, you were there with me on the New South Wales games. It wasn't just against the Kiwis. He's been sort of pottering away at the crease all summer. And I, I kind of feel like... Maybe he's got to be a bit more proactive in in trying to attack the bowlers. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, I mean, to be fair to him, those two games at the SCG, well, those two Shield games where we were critical of his uh, scoring rate, he, he got 100 in both innings. Yeah. So you can't be too critical. Um, I it just was think, 100 off 300 balls. It's still 100. I mean, yeah. I, I said it the And time. New South Wales won the games too, right? Yeah. yeah. So, And I spoke to him about that. We went to the Shaw School the day after that match, and I, I know it took him so long, and his first boundary, I think, was a six. You know, he didn't even hit one along the floor for 100 odd balls. And I said to him, So, just occupying the crease, knowing what you need to do as the number one batsman in the world and stuff. He goes, No, nah, no, nah, I just couldn't hit it. <laughs> you know, I just couldn't time it. You know, and he just said, It's just one of those things. And I thought, You know what? I'm just not hitting it well. I just need to occupy. Yeah. But he was trying to be proactive and stuff. And uh, yeah, I was, I was surprised as well. I think this summer after the Ashes has been just a bit of a letdown for him. But still, his figures are still. Okay, but not what everyone expected. Plus, think about the expectation that went with yeah. it. Every time he was spoken about, Bradman's name was mentioned in the same sentence. Um, Channel 7 in particular went really big on, you know, we've got yeah. our own Bradman so far. I love that. So, I loved yeah. it. And what's his name? McAvaney. I mean, every time he puts his voice to something, yeah. it's amazing. But I really think we have to sort of go, okay, Steve Smith is back in the team now. We're going to get what we got from the Ashes and what we had this summer, mix those two together, and that's pretty much where yeah. he's going to be. Let's everyone just take a chill pill a little bit because um, I think the emotional link coming back to Australia as well took a lot out of him too. Yeah, and also he did come in several times in the series against Pakistan and New Zealand where the game was you know, completely yeah. in Australia's favour. He was yeah. playing a shots that he wouldn't have normally played. And ultimately, as you sort of hinted at, if he's going to have a very, very poor series and still average mid-30s, another bloke, a very, very poor series, average mid-teens. Mid, so yeah, he's, he's still point. the best in the world for me. I agree with you. I think Marnus is right up there too. And of course, let's not forget about a King Cole. <laughs> I think King Coley is the real deal at all three formats, which is what I love. The fact that that bloke can walk in to a 2020 match at two for 42 with 16 overs to go and he just yeah. goes, right, okay. And he just pinpoints where he can play his shots. He's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, Coley's the best all round, isn't he? Definitely. And I think everyone would agree with that. Um, we've got Davilia's coming. I cannot wait for that. I mean, how many games are there in the big bass? There's a lot of cricket, isn't it? Even for us blokes, where I just go, it's on now, but I'm not watching every ball. It's just sort of, if I hear a boundary, I'll go and watch it. I'm trying to watch every ball. <laughs> of course. Well, you're the cricket tragic. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> but, but the thing about it for me is Davilia's, it's needed. We're just missing a couple of those bigger yeah. name guys. And for him to be coming... Fair play to the Heat, you know. Everyone went in for him and he said no to everyone. And in the end, they said, well, you know, is there anything we can do? And he said, well, I want to have Christmas at home. And they went, well, play after Christmas. I mean, it's brilliant from the Heat. Yeah. So, fingers crossed, when he comes, he gets some runs. And can you imagine 12 overs of Lynn and de Villiers together? Oh, it'd be incredible. Oh, that, that's watching every ball for sure. And that's going to be people tuning in just to see that. Yeah. And just to pull it back right from the modern to 91 years ago. Oh, here um, we go. How, wow. good, how good was Marnus Labashane almost knocking off Wally Hammond's um, record? That There's not, only a few runs in it in the end, wasn't I know. There? I don't think Tim Payne is up for the team breaking records because he should have sent a message out to <laughs> Marnus, just break the record. He should have let Warner go on and make 401. But that summer of 28-9 was Bradman's first series. I've read loads about it. And that, that series, Hammond was immense. He batted like a god. And he left the country as, this is going to be the best batsman of all time forever. And then a year later, Bradman blew him away. But yeah. uh, for Marnus Hammond, Hammond, Yeah, he's still probably England's greatest ever player. But yeah, he, he, got, he got put in his place by Don. But for Marnus to go close to it, it's, um, 
you know, I was almost happy he didn't break it because I love a 91-year-old record. So um, do I. I, I, don't want, I don't want players to break those records against what? teams. You want a POM to hold that record? <laughs> well, I, I, don't mind, I don't mind. At some stage, someone is going gonna, is gonna to break that record against an opposition which is, you know, truly deserving to break such a record, I, I believe. I mean, you, you can't, well, you the can't point get too made, The point was made that a load of bad touring teams have come to Australia in the past and no Australian batsman scored over 900 runs. So, minus... Did something pretty special. Sure did. And at the SCG, Marnus made 215, his fourth century of the summer. Can I talk about that for a moment? I've yeah. always wanted to talk to Cricket Tragic around double hundreds and triple hundreds. Yeah, right? here we go, yeah. Okay. So if I get 215, that's two hundreds. Yeah. So that should be leaked, that should be locked down as two hundreds. Warner should have got three hundreds for his triple hundred. He has scored three hundred runs. So it's not the first one gets the nod. Go back through all of history, <laughs> and every double's worth two, every triple is worth three. Why isn't that the case? Absolutely. Straight away, Bradman goes from twenty nine centuries because he got twelve doubles, so that's thirty one, and two of them were triples. That's thirty. Uh, sorry, forty one, and that's forty three. Bradman would already be back to. What, fourth highest of, of century makers in history? That's mm. what it should be. Yeah. Every hundred runs deserves to be a hundred runs. It's, not, it's just not a hundred. Because you get the same for getting a hundred not out as I get for 350. That's not right. Yeah, I wonder why they do that. I think it's, is it just the, the symbolic thing of triple figures? So once you've got into triple figures, it's all the same. But everything is linked to a hundreds and fifties, isn't it? Just like, just like, you know, 30 plus is good enough now in 2020. Mm. I honestly believe that should be the case. I agree. We could start a campaign. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it right here, right now. You could now. change cricket. <laughs> but, but how good was Marnus? I mean, what a summer. I could tell sort of by the end of the Sydney test he was actually starting to get a bit burnt out. You could just tell around the media. and Yeah, it, it was a lot for him. And he, he batted for so long. He batted for hours and hours. But just an incredible summer. And so good that he could finish it with a double hundred because you know, he'd made three big hundreds but hadn't converted to the double. And then to go out with a bang like that... Uh, I just think it's hard to see a summer like that really being repeated. In the, yeah, it was again. absolutely fantastic. He's brilliant. And let's be honest, you know, that double hundred was amazing. But those runs he got in the ashes under those yes. circumstances too. And the fact that he went to Glamorgan, he's got this coach now that just seems to really know what he's doing. And he just went, I just want to bat, bat and bat and got the first of a thousand runs in county cricket. He just loves the game so much too. And I love the fact that he sounds Australian. Like, I give it to the Poms all the time, the fact they pick anyone they possibly... You know, you go to London on a day trip, you can come and play for us. You know, I know he came to us, I think he was the age of 10 when yeah. he arrived. You know, and the fact that he's a Queenslander and he just loves it, you know, makes, makes me very, very happy. And he loves cricket more than Steve Smith, which is saying something. By all accounts, towards the end of the Ashes, he was focused on how his Sydney, his Brisbane grade side was going to go at the start of the season. That was like he was, you know, stop talking about the Ashes guys, I'm worried about my, my grade club's likely performance. So yeah, how good's that? Yeah. <laughs> he's a good guy. Nathan Lyon had a superb Sydney test. Surprisingly, he had never taken a five-wicket haul at his home ground, the Sydney Cricket Ground, but he made up for it. He took five for 68 and five for 50 in the test match. Cummins took three for 44 in the first innings and uh, well what what a spell from Lyon 10 wickets he, you know, he ripped the nail off his thumb on the, the second day so uh, sort of brave stuff yeah brave and just solid and he's, he's such a good cricketer and he gets runs when we need it he can he can be that guy to hold up and then he sweeps away and gets some runs for us but what about his catching 
You know, that catch, mm. you know, in the start of the second innings, was Would it? Was stung as well with that oh, thumb. Yeah. exactly. You know, and I actually went, to, I was at the SCG yesterday, as I said, for Cricket Tragic. I went into the dressing well, room. Can we stop plugging the show now? We've got it in like, <laughs> well, it's the 20 minutes in, we've mentioned it like eight times. That's, That's right. I appreciate it. Thanks, Andrew. Um, I, went into the gre- I went into the dressing room and there was this rum, spicy rum, and it's got spicy and horny on it. It's got a label, <laughs> I think it's called... Uh, lion's rum or something. Someone's made it for him, like this particular label. Most of the bottle was finished and stuff, so I'd imagine them sitting there having a little glass of it, you know, a celebration, because that would have been the fifth day. Um, so I might have taken that bottle and given it to Katie, our producer, for our, tradi- <laughs> for our tragic party at the end of, the, end of episode eight. Magnificent. Lion will be in there like today, go, where's it going? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I left the <laughs> bottle. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> Burns and Warner put on a 107-run partnership in the second innings for Australia, and this ignited a furious debate between me and Ball over text. I think that the Burns-Warner partnership is really important. The fact that Burns didn't make a big score throughout the summer, I think his high score was 97, was disappointing. But he and Warner got Australia off to a lot of none for 40 starts. They rotate the strike very well together. Warner didn't like batting with Matt Renshaw because he used to hog the strike and didn't um, rotate enough. And, you know, Warner's partnered with Burns and Labuschagne because they rotate the strike very well. So I think the Burns-Warner union is a good one and I'd like to see them persist with it you know, at least until the Indian summer next year. I think you'll find that as well. I think that Warner likes to bat with him. And, you know, it's called a partnership for a reason. It's two people, right? So the simple fact is what the part- opening partnership is, is is how he should be looked at. So I reckon he'll be sweet as well. Plus, no one is making runs anywhere else. No one from my side. No one's putting on any pressure on him at all. And I think they like him in the team. Um, I think people under pressure would be him to a lesser degree and maybe Wade. Um, other than that, everyone else is sweet. Oh, I, I acknowledge I'm in the minority. The only person who agrees with me is my dad. Um, now, I, I, I just say there's two issues. One, whether he should be picked or not. And I probably wouldn't pick him, but I, I can accept... Who, in, in, who would you pick instead of him? Well, this is going to make me sound stupid. I'd pick Maxwell. To open the batting for Australia? Yes. Yeah, I think that does make you sound stupid. <laughs> just like Blundell opened for, for New Zealand, and they all said he couldn't open, and, and he did. Um, yeah. That's, it touches on another of my little quirks, but I think that the... Insanity. The importance of batting order is, um, <laughs> you know, is overstated. Every time someone gets promoted to open, they do fine. There's no... Anyway, um, but my, my main point is this. You can't say that you take into account what Warner scored in, in choosing whether or not to pick Burns. Had um, Burns been in England, would Warner, have, would Warner have suddenly been able to play broad um, more easily? Of course not. Had I been opening with Burns in this series, um, the opening partnership would have been deplorable because I would have got a duck straight away. Would you have then said, oh, Burns, oh, we've got to get rid of him as well because the partnership's no good. I think, yes, it's nice if they have good friends and if they've if got sort of you know, a nice quirky relationship. But ultimately, as far as I'm concerned, there's one question. Is Burns in the best six batsman in the country? If he is, pick him. If he's not, don't. And I, as I said, my dad and I think that and no one else does. And, and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> well, well to, I, I think I, it's all about opinion. I did pull up some stats, Paul. And Burns and Warner are, I think, in the top 25 of all-time opening partnerships average. I think they average over 50. For Australia or no, all the, in time, the world? All time. So wow. they're beating, you know, like Greenwich and Haynes, Taylor and Slater, all these, you know, famed wow. opening partnerships. Well, it helped that Warner averaged 115 this summer. Yeah, I know, <laughs> yeah. I know. That's right. I get your point. I get your point. 
We'll agree to disagree. Yeah. But that, what, well, that's what cricket's about. That's great. And no, the fact, but, but Paul, he's you've, wrong. You've got that he's wrong. Well, I believe he's wrong as well. <laughs> However, you know, Glenn Maxwell, what, he got 100 in India, and we've hardly seen no, him no, since. He, so he there's should certain be there. players that just get much more goes than other blokes, you know, and you've got to understand probably the dynamic of a cricket team. It's personality. It plays a big part of it. You spend so much time together, team unity and that type of thing. So sometimes you take... The intangibles. You know, yeah, exactly, and they all add up. And at the end of the day, you know Justin Langer. You know, that's he, he's all about that type of thing. Mm. Warner made his 24th test ton, put an exclamation point on a fantastic summer for him. What do you think of Davey, Gus? Oh, I think Dave Warner's incredible batsman, incredible player. Um, I said this on the back page the other day. Doesn't take away that Ashes, though. I would have loved him to have scored half the runs in the Ashes and, and really you know, dealt with that. He's a flat-track bully, smashes the hell out of balls that don't move that much, and he's an incredible player, but uh, he's got to learn to play, you know, in England and India. I hope he's still there for 2023. Um, it would be a magnificent sort of um, coder on his career if he could go over to England and succeed. Like Coley, first well, time he went Broad will still be bowling him, as he'll be 106 <laughs> by then, so... It's a long way off, but I'm already looking forward to it. Mm. I think what, what, do you, what do you think of Warner as a bloke? Um, I don't know him very well, um, but f- when you he- when you hear and see what um, what he did with those kids the other day, that was quite amazing. Um, I imagine he is the type of bloke who, if you're close to him, then you know he's like a brother. He you just do not, you know, he would do anything for you. And people outside of his group, he's probably, you know, hasn't that got that much time for. Um, I've never really got to know him very well, but I've certainly enjoyed watching his batting. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't put a foot wrong since the ball tampering. I think that's often forgotten. He hasn't done anything since then. Never said anything wrong in the media. You know, he hasn't done anything that would sort of draw any more criticism. So mm. I think that should be commended. Even throughout the Ashes, he could have lost it. You know, scoring 98 runs would break a lot of people, but he, he kept up. So he I think a, he, he deserves a, great a lot attitude. of plaudits. A lot of my pommy mates, a lot of blokes in the Barmy Army did their absolute best to, to you know, to give it to him and break him and stuff. And he just, he just smiled and got on with it and stuff. You know, he got commended for that. Absolutely. All right, uh, before we finish our test trap, we saw on the last day a curious five-run penalty imposed on the Aussies for running on the pitch. I've not seen this very often. Where, Paul, was, he meant to, where was he meant to run? Yeah, exactly. I'd like to, I'd like he got to off the pitch, but it just sort of just took a couple of paces down the wicket, David Warner. So, again, I, I thought that was very strange. you pick up on the strange. no balls and stuff like that rather than worrying about these other things. I, the umpires have been so bad in England and then into this summer as well. They are just, at the moment, the worst that I can come. They get decisions wrong all the time and then they nitpick on things like this. Um, that's the type of thing that annoys me. I agree. I, 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 I don't disagree necessarily, but um, what I'd say is that since DRS... The umpires get exposed where they never used to be. That in the old days, hits the pads, oh, probably going down the side. He's given it not average Zaya, probably was missing. Now the technology immediately uh, exposes them if they get it wrong. What I would, I would love to see is the commentators have a, a red and a green button. And um, as soon as there's an, a decision, um, bang the one, and then let's just see how um, we all go. Because whenever I look at it live and say, oh, I reckon that was out or not, or not out... And then the replay comes. I'm so often wrong, and I rate myself um, as a abil- <laughs> <laughs> in terms of my ability to umpire. But there's several decisions that um, Erasmus gave not out. I would go, oh, that's plum. And then they've shown in the replay that it's missing by um, two centimeters, whatever else. So I, I have sympathy for them, and I have sympathy for them in this rule as well because 
I agree. Where else is where else is he supposed to run? But all they can do is enforce the law. And yeah, they should be calling no balls more often. True, but if they step in that protected zone, they're kind of required to do it. And maybe the law needs to be changed and give a bit of um, understanding if the batsmen are coming further forward. But I think they're in a pretty um, caught between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, fair enough. Now, Paul, you've written here this is one of the most one-sided seasons in Australian history. Please explain. Okay, so there's been 115 tours to Australia across the year since 1877. And if you just say, what did um, Australia score on average per wicket? What did the opposition score on average per wicket and divide it through? Then you have the worst ever tour was um, Bangladesh in 2003. It was only the, was it the one test match, two test two matches. Two test matches. McGill took three five-wicket balls. Steve wore a couple of tons. Australia scored 4.78 times as much runs per wicket as, as the opposition. Well, this summer, Australia averaged 90 runs per wicket. Pakistan, 28. So the ratio, 3.2. Australia averaged 43, New Zealand 19, the ratio 2.2. So of those 115 tours, Pakistan were the fifth worst and New Zealand the 14th worst in history. So I think that also ties into what you're saying, Gus. This Australian side is an emerging, a side that is emerging into greatness. Yeah, they really are. The bowling attack in particular is just, it just does not give you an opportunity now. And Pat Cummins, is there a better bowler that comes in and bowls his first delivery exactly where he wants it to be? And his first over is as good as you can possibly ever imagine. He's just right on he's, the money. He's relentless. That delivery to get rid of Taylor in the second league. Oh, I mean, so Taylor, good. obviously emotional. Congratulations to him. And what a wonderful player and bloke he would be. You could have a beer with him very easy, couldn't you? Um, and then just to get that spearing in at 145 and then nipping away and hitting when people talk about hitting off stump. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So, yeah, quality, quality team. I'd love it if they could one day use technology to be able to put Bradman or someone on that ball and see how he would have handled it. Because I think just about everyone in history would have had their off stump knocked out by that ball. Absolutely. Yeah, so disappointing, Pakistan and New Zealand. I can't believe that. Basically, two of the worst of teams ever have come out this summer. Mm. That, that's bad. That is bad. No, but I think it's more Australia didn't let them play. Australia, uh, I think Australia would have done this to, to both sides. Um, and I can't wait next summer when... When we do it to India. Yes. And, yeah. you know... Um, well, I've, I've got a feeling if we're sitting here this time next year, in, India would have put up a much better... Oh, I'd love it if they were on this list of worst tours. <laughs> oh, me too. Oh. Coley scratching around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought Coley average end up averaging 8.3 <laughs> in Australia? <laughs> Um, that Boomer bloke didn't get a wicket. Yeah, none for smashed everywhere. None for 300 in the... <laughs> now, Australia's next assignment after these test matches is three one-dayers in India starting sort of next week. They start Tuesday uh, next week. Uh, the only change to the squad, Darcy Short has replaced Sean Abbott, who's injured. And it just shows, I guess, how far players like Stoinis and Maxwell are from this squad that... Abbott would get injured and Short comes in ahead of them. Lang is not going on that tour. Andrew McDonald uh, will be leading as the coach. And uh, Josh Hazelwood was under an injury cloud, but he's played a game for the Sixers. So he is right to play. There's not a lot in this one-day series in India, but I am interested in seeing Manus Labuschagne in the one-day side, what he can do. And young player like Ashton Turner, who missed out on the World Cup squads, also called up. So there is a few things to keep an eye on. Yeah, exactly right. And that's exactly where I'm thinking about too. I'm just thinking Marnus, you know. Will Marnus be able to put some sort of form together? What will his uh, strike rate be over there in, in India against that attack? Because that's a quality 
you know, they're quality in all three formats, aren't they? Under the crowds as well and just going on tour, the food and getting a little bit ill. Have you guys been to India? Not yet. No, no, we're, I mean, we're no, matter, no matter what you do, at some stage, yeah. just out of life, you will get yourself a little tummy bug uh, because life is just so different over there. So he's going to have to deal with that. But, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one to actually go away now because now I'd be thinking, okay, we're going to get the one days yeah. here. In the end, we're going to have one days in the end of March. I mean, it's going to be the footy season. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, both rugby league and, and AFL. So it, it just seems to be the longest summer of all time. It's very strange. But we might get some competition because they're a good team. Yeah, and it's funny because we're looking at this, oh, this is a throwaway series. But the minute they arrive, the players won't feel that way because the crowds and the, the, oh, yeah. the India, will, they, they take it seriously, these sorts of things. I love the fact that Labuschagne's over there, if, if nothing else, to prepare him for when we're over there in a year's time. As I said last time, I'd have picked, the, picked Tim Payne in the one-day side. I'd have picked all the test players just to show disrespect to this series and say, well, we're going to be there in a year. We might as well give these guys some um, experience in, in conditions. Um, what do you think about Tim Payne? I don't know if we're going to go there, Andrew. No, let's but, go there. You know, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on him? Would you pick Tim Payne in a... You're talking about top six batsmen, you don't think Joe Burns is one of those. Is he the best wicketkeeper? Is he the best number seven that Australia has to offer? It's a good question. Um, the thing with... Dif- the, the difficult thing about wicketkeeping is that there's no definitive way to prove who's better. It's always... People say he's the best wicketkeeper in Australia, and I can't prove them wrong, but I also can't prove them right because there's no, there's no equivalent to batting average to actually prove it. So he's kind of... He's done a magnificent job... But two of the things that he has excelled at are the two most intangible things, which is how good is a cap- how good is, a, is he as a captain and how good is he as a keeper. But uh, you know, I, I think that at this stage, it, it'll be a monumental public relations disaster if they dropped him. He doesn't deserve to get dropped, so I'm happy for him to be in the side for for indefinitely. Do you think Carey's a better batsman keeper than Payne? I think he's probably a better batsman, um, but his numbers are not. Um, Absolutely extraordinary at this stage. As for who's the better keeper, honestly, as I said, I, I just don't know. Mm. I would take pretty confidently, I would say, Payne's a better keeper than Carey. But I think, like Paul, Carey's batting is coming along really well. In the mm. last couple of years, he's, he's know, taken the big next, leaps. He's the next one, isn't he? Yeah. So you're probably right. The PR disaster, and everyone seems to like Payne. Mm. The team's going along in a nice direction. So it's, and he doesn't deserve to be dropped. I get all that. But if you look forward and say, right, the next... 10 years, who's going to be the keeper for Australia? Carey's going to be that for probably the next eight, eight out of those 10 years. So that's why I'm sort of like, OK, well, once Smithy's available, he'll be captain again. That's another big debate, whether you <laughs> give that to him or not. Um, I, don't, I can't see Cummins being captain at the moment. He's certainly a good vice, and I don't like fast bowlers being captains. So I'm I can't like, OK. S- I can't see Smithy being captain either. Really? I can see... I mean, all the reports are... Who's the that, next captain then? Well, I think they'll look to a, to a younger player. Labuschagne. Labuschagne, La, so Travis him. Head, Pat Cummins. Travis Head hasn't been in the team. But I think what they'll try and do is stretch out Payne until the Test Championship final at Lords in 2021. So that's about 18 months from now. Payne can get through to that. And then by then, hopefully, someone like a Head would have come on and okay. be ready to take the leadership. Mm, okay, it's interesting. But it's a, it's a good debate to have because they always... The, the fact that Healy, as good a player as Healy was, him being in the side for those last three or four years, keeping Gilchrist out, um, was a mistake, I think, that Australian cricket made. It would have been a horrible thing to drop Healy, but Gilchrist just had to be in the side. This is not quite as stark, but it's always a good... Um, 
it's always something I think we need to keep our eye on. Did you think Smithy can take over the captaincy again? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I think he would have learned a hell of a lot from that and he would have been in the team long enough now back into the team for him to take but, that but role so back So you on say again. he's learned a hell of a lot, but then before the box, during the Boxing Day test on the first day, the ball hit him, sort of ran away and the umpire signaled dead ball, yeah, incor- no run. In- incorrectly but called. Smith blew up. On the field, <coughs> well, he was right. But was it a blow up, or but, was he like, "Come on, mate, that's but, but not right"? But then, if if he was the Australian captain, that would have been looked on differently. And I would think part of the problem when he was captain was not being able to manage those pressure situations, mm. and he would emotionally, he would have emotional outbursts. So. Has he really got over that? Because when he's tested, I'm not sure he has. I think maybe his nature is that fiery, that passionate. I don't mind. I don't mind that. But, I don't but mind. maybe that shouldn't be your captain then. Yeah, no, I totally take your point of view. But I, I just think you just know that bloke's going to be in the team for the next ten years, guaranteed. So you know, and the fact that he's done it before, I know him well. I know that he has learnt from it. I also think that with that situation, it was a frustration more than anything else. And I'd actually don't mind our players being a bit frustrated and a bit passionate and stuff. I think sportsmen full stop now are just lack emotion and they're just it's all about just being PC and so forth. I love someone being a little so bit So when more we lost that test, at, was it uh, what, with the Headingley test uh, in the Ashes where Stokes played that amazing innings and Australia didn't get the LBW, Tim Payne, I don't think, mentioned it. He just praised England for the way they played. Would Steve Smith have done the same, or would he be would he be complaining about the umpires? We, 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 we wouldn't we wouldn't truly know, but ha, ha, but, no, but what I'm saying is he might have got the review. He might have got the review right, and he's won the and he's won the Ashes. So exactly. Tim Payne, he puts his hand up and says he's the worst in the world at, yeah. at reviews and stuff. That's a huge part of it too. Now he's made a couple of those mistakes now that have cost Australia Test matches. So and I'm just worried about the strain on Smith that he bats so much. He's got so much pressure on him. Talked about being compared to Bradman, you know, are we asking him too much to be captain as well? Should, you know, Lara, Tendulka, they were never captain for very long because of that. that mm. That's where I think maybe he might be better just being, you know, the best since Bradman. Yeah, no, I take your point. Uh, I just disagree with that. I think we, sh- I think he should be captain as soon as he can be. It All might right. end up being that if Payne does go till 2021 and the Lord's Test that... Um, in the same way that you said maybe someone else will have emerged, maybe by then it will be clear that Smith is ready for it again um, and that exactly. there is no debate um, and he, he can take it because that would be quite smooth because there would come a point if you are the best player in the side <clears throat> by a million miles, after all, it does come a bit silly if you're not the captain. I know that's not what the captain should be chosen upon, but I st- sort of think he still will one day be the captain. Yeah, well, jury's out, let's see. Yeah, The jury is certainly out. And believe me, you know, I'm strong on this, but it's the biggest argument I have with all my mates. Really? And it's the biggest thing that people stopped me at the cricket the other day. That's what they want to talk about. Really? So, and I know it's real 50-50. Mm. Now, I know the listeners out there have been sitting on the edge of their seat waiting for us to announce the Cricket Unfiltered Test Player of the Year Award. And we've tallied up the votes. Paul, do you want to give your votes for the Sydney Test? Well, the thing was that Labashame before the match could only be caught if he had a shocker and if um, <laughs> Warner or Stark absolutely blew it away. So when a bloke gets 200 in the first innings, it's sort of... Um, yeah, so Labashame three, Lion two, Warner one. There's my votes. And my points for the Sydney Test, Lion three points, minus two, Cummins one. So that left the final standings. 
Manus. So is this for the year or just in the Australian the, summer? The Australian Test summer. Australian we've, Test we've, summer. Okay. We've got a so new award. Ashes. No, we just got a new award for the. What do they, what do they win? What, what uh, is it? Yep. They win a <laughs> invitation to the podcast. <laughs> so lucky. That's so lucky. Guys. This three, two, one thing. The AFL should copy this. They, they, uh, they yeah. should. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Manus won by nine points. He was on nineteen points. Warner second on ten points. Stark on nine points. Lyon eight points. Pattinson, Pattinson six points. Head four points. Cummins. How did Pattinson get his points? Uh, he took MCG. Took six wickets there. Yeah, three points each. I think you've thrown him a bit of a bone there. I, don't know, I was thinking that well. Even though I was one of the ones who awarded it, I was thinking... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who are these bucks? Are you back, uh, uh, you, well, is this after your Christmas party? <laughs> maybe. Smith did not get one vote all summer. so That's probably fair enough, and he'd cop that. I yeah, think. yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a very quick break. I just want to remind you, if you could go on and rate and review the podcast on whatever app you listen to the show on. I've got some cracking reviews to read out next week. I cannot wait to read these out next week. So go and add your review. Do you read out the good and bad? Yeah, yeah. I've got a a good bad one to read next week. (laughs) One Um, that... um a little bit of interruption problem that Menace has got. <laughs> Interrupting the guest. <laughs> All right. Uh, on that note, we'll be back in a sec. <laughs> Nathan, any uh, particular spinner you'd like to bowl with in Bangladesh the next time the Aussies run out there? Good question. Um, no. Ask Trevor. Welcome back to <laughs> Cricket Unfiltered. Good answer. And that was a very good question, Andrew, <laughs> Thank by the you. way. Yeah, I was trying to dig a little and see what Lyon would say. I didn't get much out of him, but sort of I want to just sort of psychoanalyse that response before we move on. I would think the fact that he didn't mention Swepson is telling. I think he is the type of guy that would go, if I mention anyone, then everyone else is going to be a little bit peed off and maybe that might change Trevor's thought process so he said good question just to give himself a little bit of time because you are a smiling assassin Andrew let's be absolutely honest oh, absolutely you've got one of those faces like he's just so lovely and kind but you're actually got a little bit of an edge to you oh yeah, yeah. so he's gone okay and then he's gone no nah, I'm going to play this straight back to the bowler and he's probably done it right who do you think should should be the spinner that goes with line I think Stephen O'Keefe should go as the second they won't spinner. take him though will they but, but that, I think that's a mistake I agree with you, Minners. I think Steve O'Keefe, but I agree with you. I don't think he's on their radar. I mean, he said that as much in the other day on the Big Bash. He said, yeah, cracker time me a couple of years ago. I was, too, I was gone. So it was like... Um, yeah, and he's got a bit of an injury and stuff at the moment too. He's not playing every match for the Sixers, is he? No, but he'll be right by oh, the he's, time. He's, and he's unreal. I think he's been underused mm. um, as an Australian um, bowler. But yeah, Swepson seems to be the one. I mean, ask Warnie. Warnie, Warnie Warnie's always got a couple of opinions exactly. on spinners. And why wouldn't you? You know, the greatest of all time. Tell you the, way, the way he bowled the other day in the lunch break, that's who I'd have. Shane Warne. Oh, yeah. Goes okay, doesn't yeah. he? <laughs> he was so nervous about that. He thought if I bowl this and it doesn't, you know, land or if I bowl it, you know, big no ball or a big um, full banger on leg stump or something. But no, he just like nailed a, it. His first ball was like a gutting ball. It was like, unless they edited it. And no, he, no he, that, he, was, that was live. He, he could bowl in test cricket now. He just... He wouldn't want to bat or field. That's the problem. If you could just sort of wheel him out for 10 overs, he'd do it. Yeah, or pop him in at first slip. Yeah. He wouldn't mind it too much. Yeah, no, he's quality. <laughs> all right, let's get into the... If he didn't know already. Yeah, he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> Breaking news on the podcast. Hey, hey, and Bradman was a really good batsman as well. And for the bleeding obvious, tune into Cricket Unfiltered. Uh, now, let's get into the headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. An unfortunate 
incident in the Big Bash where Marcus Doinus was fined for calling Kane Richardson a gay slur, which begins with F. That's been reported. I guess the, the main articles that came out after this were by, I guess, the leading journos at the Australian Hay and Lawler were Emily Smith gets banned for a year for making a joke on Instagram. Marcus Thornis gets a fine for using a pretty terrible slur. Doesn't seem fair, does it, Gus? No, it's not fair, and, but life is not fair, and these rules and regulations and so forth aren't fair either. You're always going to sit on one side of it or not. It, the thing about it for me is that why would he say that? You know, surely he understands that the mm. world is a very different place now to the world that perhaps, you know, we grew up in when we were young. I, I got called that often. I got called it last season, you know, and they put, they put fat in front of it, you know, and I just cop it because that's what I'm used to. But the world is a different place and he just has to learn that and he'll learn it the hard way in the hip pocket, I suppose. But a couple of games probably would have been better. I think that the Emily Smith ban, the more I think about it, just seemed far too long. And I know they suspended nine months of it, but three months for, for a little joke. Maybe the Stoinis one, maybe they, they just about got it right, but the Smith one should have been vastly, vastly lower, maybe. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think considering Marcus Stoinis had never offended before, I think maybe he deserved just a suspended sentence, but yeah. Plus he would have had 48, 72 hours of national and to some degree international... Uh, Opprobrium, um, opprobrium, if that's the right word. You know, embarrassment. I don't know what that word means, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> it didn't help that I got it wrong the first yeah. time. <laughs> I might have got it wrong the second time as well. <laughs> Someone will let you know, no doubt about it. <laughs> but Peter Hanskin was asked uh, in the wake of this, does he think it's a problem within cricket? And he said, no, he doesn't think it is. He, he, you know, terms like that aren't used anymore. They really try and be better. So I just hope... The Stoyness and the James Pattinson one from earlier in the season were huge mistakes, but and they serve as a warning to others yeah, to, yeah. to be a bit more vigilant Agreed. and a bit more disciplined. Yes. Now uh, I don't know if you guys have got you know spare four hundred and fifty k lying around, but there's a a baggy green hat that's been put on sale. Now Shane Warne has donated his baggy green cap to be sold for bushfire relief. I see today Jeff Thompson as well mm. is selling his baggy green cap. So yeah. might be a time for those collectors out there to um, put your pennies together, take out a second mortgage and uh, put a bid in for Warney or Tomo's cap. I think it's fantastic. It was brilliant. At the time that he decided to do it, I was just amazed. And I know he didn't wear the baggy green as much as he wore the white floppy, but still, it's you saw it. It's well-worn. How many celebrationary beers and champagne and cigarette, cigarette smokers in that cap. Mm. And I mean, it's awesome a national treasure. It is one it of is. the most valuable items. I think it'll go for a mil. I've oh. got a feeling someone like a James Packer will just go, I'm buying it for a million and Warner, you can have it back. That'd be that good. would be really, mm. really cool. And I hope that's the case. Jeff Thompson, um, you know, it's a lovely gesture as well. You know, absolutely fantastic. And, and another absolute legend of the game. I mean, imagine oh. Tomo's baggy green. He's so uh, there'd great. be some beer stains on that one. <laughs> 100%. I just love the fact how the community has got around the bushfires. I think it's amazing. And I think I'm loving the Australian spirit coming out again. Yeah. Rumours that Ponting and Warren might head a charity match that would be sort of big big bash final opener. That'd be so great. fingers crossed they can do something like that and raise money yeah. for all the I mean why can't they do that? 
I mean, it's just a matter of just saying, you know, as soon as someone gets offered it, you do it. No one's going to say no to that. So, absolutely right. Play that match in the lead up to the Big Bash final. So, you put your hand up to play in that game very, on the very back page the other night. I did. And me and Tony Squires to open the batting. <laughs> the phone has not rung. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you got the call up. <laughs> no, it'd be fantastic to do it, though. Now, we, we played sound before of uh, Glenn McGrath talking about four-day tests. It, it, it sort of... The issue was really bubbling away, bubbling away throughout the Sydney Test. Mm. McGrath's not a fan. Alan Border's not a fan. Langer and Ponting are not fans. Virat Coley's not a fan. That's the big That's one. That's the main one. Well, but the Virat, well, why don't we even have yeah. to talk I think Tendulkar's come out and not been a fan as well. That doesn't, that's pretty mm. strong too. The thing mm. is, what about a little bit of rain and stuff? You know, you get a lock around rain and then it turns into a three-day game, a two-day game. Why are we trying to fix something that isn't broken? Exactly, and I think a lot of the reason why games are finishing on the fourth day is if you've got, you know, day, you know, two days to bat and you're seven down on the fourth afternoon, a lot of the teams now, they don't even try and take it to the fifth day. They just get out and the game's over in four days. But if you had no option of the fifth day, you'd have a lot of fourth days of just dour cricket teams batting it out, just trying to get a draw. I mean, you think about this summer against Pakistan and New Zealand, they might have legitimately tried to play for draws knowing that with four days they might be able to get away with it. Mm. So I, I think it's a big mistake. I do not mind, though, if smaller nations want to host some mand- uh, some four-day tests. I think I said to you the other day, Paul, say, say you know, Afghanistan's playing Ireland, and rather than playing two five-day tests, they want to play three four-day tests. I don't mind that. But I would hate to see it become mandatory so the Ashes was played over four-day tests. I just mm. could not cop that. No. I don't agree with them either. I do understand the arguments in favour of them. The, 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 the one thing that would be very good would be if every test match other than the Boxing Day and the SCG test, we always knew that a test started on a Thursday and finished on a Sunday like a golf major. That would be good. That you would actually have people buying tickets to the Sunday. At the moment, if it does, if there's an exciting finish on the Monday or whatever, is there's usually nobody there. So that part of it would be all right. And just to explain to the listeners, there is a regulation that there needs to be, I think, a minimum three-day gap yes. between tests. So you can't really have tests on consecutive weeks, and like you can't have you know tests Wednesday to Sunday and then starting the next Wednesday no. a five-day test because you need a bigger break. So that's why there is some push for the four-day test. And the ultimate thing is that unless they get the over-rates right, I would never even want it to be considered. If they could get the over-rates right so that they could squeeze in almost as many overs you'd get in a five-day test in a four-day test, then I could start to see. But I take your point, Gus, around the rain. If the rain comes, that's still going to be a problem. Are they talking 98 overs or something? They're not getting through 90 at the moment. The the extra half an hour is a guaranteed lock-in every single game and stuff. They go so slowly now. It's an entertainment business. We've got enough T20s and one days and all those sort of comps if you want your hit and giggle. The only stuff to me that truly matters is the test matches. So five day test matches, that's it. Lock it in. It's been going on for a long time. Why do we have to change it? We're going to turn the, you know, the 18 holes into 16 holes or nine holes or whatever it might be. Just let's leave it yeah, away. Yeah, four tackles in rugby league. Yeah, just let it go. Yeah, but I can agree with you, man. So in some instances, that's fine. But for the Ashes, it would be disappointing. And that's one of the reasons they actually got rid of them back in England. used to have four-day test matches. And they were having so many series where they were getting nil all, um, nil all going to the final test and had to play a timeless test to finish it. So, yeah, I hope they stick at five. Mm. We are not fans of four-day tests. I'm also not a fan of seeing Elise Perry in Victorian colours. It's a disgrace. <laughs> what are, what are we, what's happening she here? She got her first wicket in a third over today, knocked over someone LBW mm. I saw. And I'm just like, it just makes no... 
sense at all. I know she's down there because her hubby lives down there and he's playing down there in Melbourne, but... Couldn't the Waratahs have signed him? I don't even know his name, this guy. Um, But (laughs) couldn't they have signed him to to get him in New South Wales to keep Perry? Yeah. That's not a slide on him. You haven't heard of anyone. You haven't heard of John Eels, have you? No, I have heard of Eels. Back in the late 90s. You can be in love with more than one sport, brother. Yeah, yeah, I am. Just, I am. Um, What's your other sport? I mean, if cricket is the number one, what is your next sport? Baseball. American baseball? Yeah. Okay, who's your team in America? Red Sox. Red Sox, okay. Yep. They're from which city? Boston, Boston Red Sox. <laughs> i just double checking. Oh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> Is there more than one team in Boston? No. Um, so we're not going to go many strikes? There. How many strikes till you're out? Um, I'm not going to get into a baseball <laughs> he's, he's discussion. He's actually a pretty psychopathically big fan of baseball. <laughs> okay, okay, that's good. <laughs> good. Well, you're happy to know I'm a Roosters fan. Yes, Gus, so well Don't played, worry brother. about that. Thank you. Back to back to back, baby. Yeah, so at least Perry's gone to Victoria. So, uh, yeah. So sad. Very sad. All right, we're going to take a final break and then we'll be back to wrap it all up with the, the quiz run by Paul Dennett. And uh, I've been on, on in touch with Fox Cricket and the winner of the quiz gets to host the Cricket Tragic <laughs> <Okay>. next summer. <laughs> so a lot at stake. <laughs> Welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Here is the quiz. Now, I should preface this by saying there are two types of cricket tragics. There are those who love the game but can have a normal life, and I put Gus in that category. Yeah. <laughs> and then there are those who love the game a bit too much, and it's a different level of tragedy, and that's where you are, Menas. So I just wanted to get that off the bat. Okay, so the way... We- nice, Paul. I like that. <laughs> yeah, like, Gus can go on the radio and be funny, you know, entertaining, <laughs> string sentences together. Has friends, probably. <laughs> I do have friends. Yeah, yeah. Run, a, run a charity. Yep, yep. <laughs> that type of stuff. The important stuff. This is only a game, cricket. Exa- well, <laughs> that's why you're going to lose. <laughs> Bring right. it on. Let's go. So what we'll do, I'm going to ask a question to each. Um, and if you get it right, you get one. If you get it wrong, you get nothing. And if you get it wrong, the other person can have a go. And we'll Ooh, just see, see okay. how we go. All right. <laughs> Andrews never looks so confident in your life. <laughs> Look at him. Okay. <laughs> First question to Gus. Um, which Australian batsman scored a heroic double century in the Tide Test in 1986 and ended up in hospital? Uh, Dean Jones. Yes. Well done. Menace. Easy one. This, this might be rigged. <laughs> when England toured Australia in 1861. <laughs> 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 uh, no, just joking. Who took the last wicket in that Tide Test? Greg Matthews. Yes, well We're done. Wearing a cap. Yes, how good and a that? jumper. And how quick? Yes, <laughs> how quickly did the umpire give him out? Fired. Oh, him. he fired <laughs> him out. <laughs> All right, Gus. Yep. There have been nine cities in Australia that have hosted Test cricket over the years. Ooh. Can you name them? Oh, the nine. Okay, so Brisbane. Yep. Sydney, Melbourne, Hobart, Adelaide, Perth. Is that seven? Six. Six. That's six. Okay. Has there been a second one in Tasmania? No. Oh, okay. Oh, something up north. Uh, Northern yep. Territory, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Uh, that Alice Springs or was it? Further north. Further but... north, yeah. Um, ah, was it against Bangladesh? Uh, yep. So where Hayden got all his runs, was that up No, that was, that was in Perth, I think. Okay. Uh, is there another one it as well? It looks like I should be... Oh, Canberra. Yes. ACT yep. as well. Yep. They've got two to go. 
to brush up on my TV skills for next year. <laughs> <sounds like. laughs> I'll give you Weesey's number. <laughs> I've got it, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says stop texting. <laughs> <laughs> it's blocked. Be sending him this audio. Uh, well, I'll give you the one, that, the other one in the Northern Territory is Darwin. Oh, yeah. And then the last one's also in Queensland, also in the tropics. Oh, Townsville? Oh! <laughs> nearly. Oh, nearly. Look at how smug he looks, Andrew, over there, just <laughs> chomping at the bit. If North Queensland can't play at Townsville, where would they play? Cairns? Yes. One to Gus. Thank you. Is that Kazali Stadium in Cairns, or was that the one in Darwin? It's oh. probably called Bet360 now, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> All right, Menas. Which state did Michael Bevan play his first Shield game for, and which state did he play his last Shield game for? South oh. Australia and Tasmania. Well, very good. That was easy. Very good. Just, it's place. Straight down the ground. Four yeah, runs. Easy oh. one. On your Bradman. Um, <laughs> Gus. Yes. If I'm at a cricket ground and one end is Vulture Street and one end is Stanley Street, uh, what ground am I at? I am at the Gabba. Yes. Very good. I do like the Gabba. It gets a bit of stick, doesn't it? But I do like it. Good atmosphere. Yeah. Especially for the big bash games. Feel close to the action. I don't mind the Gabba, yeah. Mm. All right, Manners, what do these players have in common other than being right-handed batsmen? Doug Walters, Lindsay Hassett, Colin Cowdery, and Viv Richards. Oh, what do they have in common? Bradman's on a sticky wicket here. Yeah? <laughs> Cowdery, Walters, Richards, and Hassett. That's a tough question. No idea. They're all known by their middle names. Kevin Douglas Walters, Arthur Lindsay Hassett, Michael Colin Cowdery, Michael Colin Cowdery, and Isaac Vivian Alexander Richards. Oh, that was that was that's not. Actually, a, I should have I should have let tough. Gus well, have a go. You were going to say that, weren't you? I, I, I was not. <laughs> yes, I was going to say that. <laughs> that, that, does that. Does that count as a cricket question, though? No, it's a baseball question, mate. Uh, <laughs> two of those batsmen hit sixes to bring up hundreds. That's where I thought it was going. I thought Lizzie Hassett probably hasn't done that. Yeah. You're going to like this next question. Okay. Who hit Bob Willis for a six? Doug Walters. Yes. <laughs> and and I, Dougie last year on the Cricket Tragic talked us through that over. And Bob Willis was getting the, the late great, and then we all RIP to, to Bob. But, and we all did him in the backyard, didn't we, his particular mm. action. But he, Bob Willis was going to him, you, you, won't, you can't do it. And he's going, just bowl me exactly where I want it and I'm going to do it. So Bob Willis basically told him that he's going to bowl a short ball. If you watch it, he's nearly back in a baseball stand, yeah. talking baseball, and of course smashes it. Before the ball hits the ground, I'm not sure if it even goes for six because the kids are the on kids the are ground on the, yeah. and stuff and it's all, wow, it was a wonderful bit of vision. Should we bring back the kids onto the ground or are we happy with the fact that you know they come on for you know in, in breaks? I don't mind that they came on at the end of the Sydney. That test. was really good. They let on all the crowd. I think that's enough at the end of games. Let them on. Not not when the ball's still no, sailing no. towards <laughs> the boundary. Oh, and S would have a problem with that these that's days. That's true. Yeah, I was at the base and reserve once where they let us on at lunch break, and you could walk right up to the stumps, and it was just amazing. Did uh, they put a little thing around the pitch? Yeah, but like um, one meter from the stumps. Oh, so, not just a square. Yeah, so that's it was just good. that was really the good. Kiwis are so nice. <laughs> Aren't all right. they lovely? <laughs> have a picnic next to the pitch. <laughs> All right, so we've got uh, almost finished. One more question. No. What's the score update? I'm, le- I'm leading by one. What? I think so. Yeah, you got the, the same uh, question still, wrong. You still got okay. your show. Menas, you love the um, domestic ODIs. Uh, domestic one day, not... You love the list day cricket in Australia, the Marsh Cup as it's now called. Name the nine teams who've ever participated in it. Oh. 
The nine teams yep. that have participated All in right, this. Stop stalling, just give the answer. Well, New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, uh, Canberra Comets, yes. South Australia, Western Australia, Tasmania. Yep. That's seven. Yep. <laughs> this is a really bad question. Two other. Really? <laughs> it's a really, great question. Yeah. Well, Northern Territory, so have they played? No. They're listed. I think they must have considered because they're listed on there, but they've got no games. <laughs> so, Gus, do you want to have a go? Are you finished? Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Someone in, was it a Kiwi team? Yes. What? When was this? 69-70, uh, they won it the first oh. season. Um, I definitely knew that was a Kiwi team, so that means I get an extra point. Yeah. Like there's one more, one more still to go. Mm. The funny thing about this is um, this is a team that men has loathed. Oh, the CA-11. You got a thought on it? The CA eleven. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a cricket Australia eleven. Yeah. <laughs> Don't text Weesey, mate. I got that's two. I'm two oh. up now. How many questions left? One each. Oh, I think that 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 <laughs> that that that. Oh, Monty Bannister could come down to the last question. Okay, I'm two up, mate. It's one to go. You have to get you have to get this one wrong. He has oh. to steal it and get the next one oh, right. Oh, then we can draw. Okay, yep. fair enough. Shane Warne was under four regular <laughs> captains in Test cricket: Border, Taylor, War, and Ponting. That's in chronological order. Um, As you would say, of course, you, you know these things. And this is for, we have to just assume that I understand Shane Warne here, but based on what I think, who do you reckon that Warne <laughs> would race, rate <laughs> in order for best to worst captain? Or, or, or worst to best, which order you want to put okay. it in? Okay, name of the four captains again, please. Border, Taylor, Steve Waugh, Ricky Ponting. Uh, I would say Ricky Ponting, one. I would say Steve Waugh, four. I would have Taylor, two. Border three. Border three. What would you say? The best to worst, yeah? Yep. Best Taylor, second border, third Ponting, fourth Steve Wall. No, I'm going to have to go with um, with Meadows yes! on the assumption that I know Shane Wall's thoughts. Yeah. So we're both right with the fourth? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was never in question. <laughs> I just thought Ricky and him were just sort of... Kindred spirits when it came mm. to that sort of thing. I think he got think fired up about um, Ponting sending them in at Edgebaston in 05 and almost um, throttled it. I don't know. Based on what I've heard in the commentary box, he's, um, mm. that's the order. But if you ever get a chance to ask him. Fair enough, I will. Yeah. And we, can, we can do a count back years to, years to come. Okay. You can say, I was asked this question <coughs> on a podcast. Yeah, and he'd go unfiltered for the because answer. I heard it. So this to draw manners. When, when was the last test match that Australia played England that wasn't in the Ashes? Centenary test? No, the bicentenary oh. test. Oh, bad luck, mate. <laughs> still you got your show. You still <laughs> show. Let's do it again next year. Paul, Paul asked it. me before we got here, he said, you know, are you worried about embarrassing Gus in the quiz? And I said, not really. I'm like, I don't care. You, you're a smiling assassin, mate. Yeah. I know you. You wanted to take me down. Yeah, I did. Well, <laughs> listeners, uh, I guess that's it for this edition of <laughs> Cricket Unfiltered. The podcast is going on. I haven't been snapped up by Fox oh. Cricket yet. Gus, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. It's thanks for coming to my home, guys. Oh, mate, it's been such a thrill to get out of Sydney for the day. And to, <laughs> mate, to... we're in the suburbs of Sydney. What are you talking about? <laughs> Metis has never been more than five k's away from the SCG. That's it. I, get, I get sort of the further from the SCG, the less comfortable. I'm going to make you a sandwich and a travel pack to get you back to the city. Now.
That's been I mean, an absolute no, pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Gus. Best of pleasure, luck um, with what you'd get up to this year and, and got you for life. You're yes. doing wonderful work. So Thank you very um, much. Congratulations. Uh, you know, I think it's amazing what you're doing and uh, we wish you the best. Thank you, guys, and thanks for having me on the podcast again. I really enjoyed it and have a safe trip back to the city. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, back next week with another podcast. 